And we are, well, we're not live because we're recording this some other time, but to you guys, we're going to sound live. So here we go, everybody. This is Theme Park Shuffle. We are doing part two of our Islands of Adventure redesign. And if you listen to part one, you'll know that I destroyed the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Uh, Jeremy took over uh, Seuss Landing, and then Logan just knocked a Grand Slam home run with the Marvel world and the Islands of Adventure. And if you don't know what we turned him into, then that's your fault for not subscribing and listening to Theme Park Shuffle. We are currently on the Main Street Magic feed, soon to be on our own on iTunes, and we are on our own on Amazon. So get on that subscribe button, and we are going to tell you that again at the end of this podcast. So here's what we're going to do. Islands of Adventure Part 2. I have been given the horrible, horrible draw of Toon Lagoon. Logan is going to be taking on Jurassic Park, and Jeremy is going to be taking on... Jeremy? The Lost Continent. The Lost Continent. So one thing I'll tell you guys, a little inside the business, we have all shared with each other our intellectual properties that we're going to be using for this. And we're going to tell you with a little sneak peek what we're going to be using. But Jer Bear has decided to not tell me and Logan his curveball that he's throwing us uh, in this podcast. So, Jeremy, are you going to share with us now what you're going to be rebranding the Lost Continent to? And again, these have to be 80s or 90s kid shows, cartoons, comics, something in that realm of the, uh, the 80s to 90s. So, uh, so Jer Bear. Uh, fill us in on this surprise that you've chose to keep from us yeah, so all I'll, day long. Well, I'll be happy to, and this isn't, this won't be a surprise to you guys because I started with this originally, possibly with Seuss Landing. I went back. Uh, Logan talked me out of it a little bit during <laughs> Seuss Landing, which made sense. But here's what I've decided to do: is I completely abandoned my Thundercats idea because I wanted to go with something that was like true to my heart. And I'm going to tell you why, Logan. It's Scooby Doo. Because this land, Lost Continent, has no rides as we know them. And therefore, I did not feel bad retheming it based on the fact that there are some wonderful Scooby-Doo rides, uh, some that you are very familiar with out in the world, yes, I am. that I didn't want to touch or compete with. But I felt that taking this land as it was, this was the absolute perfect overlay and retheme to use Scooby-Doo, which honestly is one of my favorite cartoons of all time. And it became uh, even more of a favorite after I really dove deep into this. So I hope you won't disown me. I hope that you will appreciate what I have to offer. And then in the future, uh, maybe you and I together can theme a ride that can then be added to this land, if that sounds fair. Giddy up. All right. I am, let's do it. Well, I am disappointed, it. though, to hear there's no longer anything thundercats related i know going into our park so we may have to I save am, that for part three yeah yeah i'm, I'm definitely uh, i was definitely looking forward to some some thundercats being brought in i think you could have pulled that one off um and now we have the uh first amount of tension in the family as I jeremy know. goes <laughs> against know. logan's wishes i did i just honestly <laughs> when it came down to, when it came down to it my heart was not with thundercats I honestly went back. I watched a bunch of episodes. Uh, I remember Thund Thundercats as a child. I had a bunch of the toys, but I really just didn't reconnect 
with the show and all the way that I thought I would have because it was a perfect retheme. But especially when I got down, well, I'll talk about it more when we get into my my uh, yeah. I was about to say, area. yo, this is supposed to be a <laughs> this is supposed to be a sneak peek. Yes, not the actual yes, <laughs> yes. Let's not get into it too far. So let's move over to Logan. Logan, you have been given the Jurassic Park. What yes. 80s or 90s theme are we getting this changed into? Well, nobody can see my shirt, which would be a dead giveaway. But I am just going to give you this little tease. And anybody who knows will know. Yo, Joe! so excited and that's it logan is going gi joe that is uh you ruined it you ruined it david okay okay i mean anybody's gonna know that by logan's (laughs) dynamic impression of the (laughs) um other than he man probably my favorite 80s property i had i had the most of those cart uh comics and uh toys as well so uh we're gonna save the just the worst one for last. Um, I was given Toon Lagoon, and um, I'm going to turn Toon Lagoon into a cartoon that came out when I was actually kind of high school age. But for me, it still hit all the buttons. Toon Lagoon is going to be turned into and rethemed with all of the characters from Animaniacs. I love that. Yeah. I love it. Good. I'm glad you guys favorite like cartoons. It. It's one of the best, truthfully. And um, as I've dug back into the old ones and the new ones on Netflix, it, it works for my five-year-old daughter, and it works for me with all of the you know entendres and, and jokes that they make in there. So I'm, I'm a gigantic fan. Yeah, and I think well, that's but, uh, the most important so, yeah. part is like that it can connect to all generations, which uh, would be interesting as we go through our lands and the way that that works. Because I think that's been the hardest part of this entire retheming is making sure we all have children, um, you know, varying ages here, but not too, too far off, is making sure that everything connects through generations, even though this is our childhood and something that we grew up on and love, we want to make sure that the next generations continue, um, which was why Absolutely. we rethemed Seuss Landing in the first place to Care Bears. <laughs> that one may not have worked. That one may not have, have done what I thought it should have, but oh well. I mean, if, if the if you guys have listened to the first one and you know what Jeremy did and made it Care Bears, if that land existed, I think it would attract. Even if they didn't know what Care Bears was, I think it was yeah. just that good that people would want to go to it. But I digress. Let's not look backwards, gentlemen. Let's look forwards. And what we're going to do is because I know what Logan has done with his land. He's going last. <laughs> we're going to give... If you guys have ever seen Congress like talk and then give the rest of their time to another congressman, that's what me and Jeremy are going to do. We're going to get out of the way and let Logan crush it with G.I. Joe. So I think I'm going to start this party off with what would I turn Toon Lagoon into and how would I pull off this monumental feat? So what I looked for, the same way I've always done all the other ones that you guys have heard me do, is I try to look for one thing that catches my attention and, and brings me into what this is. And the one thing that I've noticed about Toon Lagoon, and it's very obvious, everything is water-based. It is the water attraction at Islands of Adventure. And what's the best way to bring water into the Animaniacs? They live in a water tower. So 
my world is going to be called the zany world of the animaniacs and my entire world has a theme behind it the theme is that the water tower for the animaniacs has fallen over and in falling over has soaked the world of animaniacs in water and this is going to be the way that we're tying this whole entire thing together so Toon Lagoon has three attractions. Two of them are rides. Uh, the one everybody knows probably the most is the Ripsaw Falls ride. That is a typical Splash Mountain log ride-like adventure. I am changing this into Wacko's Fabu Backlot Tour. Uh, if you're familiar, Wacko says Fabu. That's like his <laughs> trademark thing that he likes to say. So like I said, the water tower has spilled over and all the water is spilling through the whole entire world of the Animaniacs. And you're riding a log ride through it. And the whole time you're riding it, you're being chased by Ralph, the security guard, who's trying to put Yakko, Wacko, and Dot, the Warner Brothers, and the Warner Sister, back into the water tower. It's a water ride adventure, just like Splash Mountain. Just picture them chasing Br'er Rabbit the whole entire time of Splash Mountain. This is exactly what's going on in this ride. Yakko, Wacko, and Dot are all over the whole entire thing. The good feathers are there. Slappy the squirrel is there. You're going to get Dr. Scratch and Sniff. You're going to get all of them. It's going to be the typical fun, cheerful, musical log ride. And at the end, right as Ralph the security guard is about to grab you, big giant drop safely into the water tower. The Warner Brothers win. Everybody goes home happy. That's the first ride. The other thing is they have a thing there called Me Ship the Olive. This is basically like a splash park for little kids to go play in. It's a very nice splash park, but uh, I thought it sounded adorable and cute. So we're going to name it Dot's Super Cute Splash Park. If you know anything about the Animaniacs, Dot is the girl Animaniac, and she's cute. That's her thing. This is going to be exactly what you think. A children-friendly splash park designed to look like Dot Warner designed it. Pink and bows and just really, really fun for kids to go and cool off. Um, we are in Florida, so you'll only be able to use it from uh, October through August. But, uh, but yeah, you know, it'll be, it'll be really good all year <laughs> round. The other ride is Popeye's Bilgerat Barge. This is basically like a River Rapids kind of ride. And what I think about this is that this is going to become Pinky and the Brain's World Conquering Water Ride. <laughs> How are we going to do that? Very easy. Brain has developed a flooding machine to flood the entire world. And unless he is made king of the world, he's going to release this flood on everybody. But of course, Pinky's zaniness makes the machine release ruining brain's plan and taking everybody on a water rapids ride around led by pinky and the brain in a fun pinky and the brain themed water ride you're going to be soaked and of course it's going to end with the trademark what are we going to do tomorrow night brain same thing we do every night pinky <laughs> try to take over the world uh there's uh food there uh yeah, but <laughs> most of the food and tune lagoon is walk up stuff nice and easy family friendly blah 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 um there's one called blondies which is like a sandwichy sort of theme uh i'm gonna turn this into the hello nurse coffee break stand uh 
uh, quick and easy sandwiches and a nice selection of coffee, nice menu of coffee for the adults. If you're there in the morning, if you're there in late afternoon, get you some nice coffee to uh, give you a pick me up. Uh, there's a thing called Wimpy's. I'm making that Yakko's World. If you're familiar with the Warner Brothers, there's a wonderful song that Yakko Warner did where he names every country in the world. I highly suggest YouTubing it. Keep in mind, it's from the 90s, so some of those countries probably don't exist anymore. <laughs> I'm going to steal a little Epcot here. This is going to be a rotating international quick plate menu. Yeah, Every once in a while, it changes to something different from throughout the world. Something fun for you to... Uh, to, to get um there's an ice cream stand there called kathy's does anybody know kathy from the comics i don't think you do but you do know pinky from pinky in the brain this is pinky's ice cream stand now it's gonna be fun it's just gonna be an ice cream stand have fun with that one but the main thing that i thought of that we really need to bring into the zany world of the animaniacs i'm pulling from disney jr's part of hollywood studios i have a little girl when we go to the Disney Junior part of Hollywood Studios, we spend two hours doing meet and greets. Every character has their own little area. Vampirina, Doc McStuffins. Every Animaniacs character, the popular ones, are going to have their own meet and greet with a full-size character there for the kids to get pictures with, do your autograph books. Um, every fun part about the meet and greet experience uh, my daughter's five. I have three autograph books full of, there's seven Mickey Mouse signatures, but for her, it's <laughs> the greatest thing in the world to like get that autograph. So I know in the past I have brought you guys mobile bars, hidden bars, multiple bars, uh, scary stuff. I'm going super family friendly, super kid friendly on this one. This is my interpretation of the zany world of the Animaniacs. Hello, nurse. Well done, sir. Yes. Well done. It. Man, that it. was fun. I just like the, <laughs> the Animaniac nerd in me is uh, really excited about going to this new land. Oh, my God. I wish it was real. The uh, the word that I thought in my head the whole time was just fun. This has yeah, to just yeah, be It has fun. to be. It has to be. And, and you hit it on all notes. I mean, the, the pinky and the brain ride that oh god i'm just already imagining it and i love the the <laughs> setup that cracks me up it's almost as if uh brain becomes god and forcing noah to create an ark and it's like <laughs> oh, oh sorry pinky screwed that plan up <laughs> no need exactly. to make your ark now <laughs> yeah that's what i think like i uh, knowing these rides and I'll, I'll be honest and i know you felt this david toon lagoon isn't the best like it's just it's so outdated. I think it does not resonate with anyone, even on a level like to me, these comics personally, I know them all, but they're not going to resonate with with our children the no. way that I think, no, no, no. you know, that. Yeah. And <laughs> this came. I, and so it, like Ripsaw Falls is an outstanding ride. It's an outstanding cue. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy intense. That bump on the drop. Oh, my God. Except I, I felt so many times theming. like I was going to fall out. Yeah, but the theming just I don't think it resonates the way that this would, especially yeah. with some of those enclosed spaces. And as you go through the queue and yeah, I love the pinky in the brain with taking over, you know, Bluto's and the I mean, because you are going to get wet beyond. Yeah. I've never yeah, I've never I've like I could jump in a pool. And I don't get as wet as I do on that current ride. 
And so I think having it kind of come out that way is just amazing. And retheming that to something that's so colorful and, as you said, fun. Right now, yeah. Toon yeah. Lagoon to me is not fun. Um, well, we've been past Toon Lagoon those- is using so so. You know, I've got some comic strip experience. Toon Lagoon's using comic strips that are before our parents' time. Yeah, like yeah. so dated. Yeah, who knows that stuff anymore? I mean, yeah. for a Nobody. second, I almost kept the comic strip theme and maybe was going to lean into like maybe Far Side or or mm-hmm. Calvin and Hobbes or something, yeah. and I'm like. Even that, there are people that you say Calvin and Hobbes to, and they're like, "Huh, what?" Yeah. So, yeah, yeah Emma's I, not going to know that. Yeah. Well, and you uh, actually, <laughs> well, no, she will but with you as with her, you, as father. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but you took it. Griffin you took doesn't. it from that level though of a comic strip, and you brought it off the pages, which yeah. I think is what's that was important. My goal, yeah, yeah, and and not that you couldn't take things like Calvin and Hobbes and bring them off the pages, but not in the way that this does. So I yeah I think that idea is just absolutely outstanding. Um, yeah, I really love that ripsaw falls idea because I, I again we've been pass holders for like a year and a half now. We have not ridden a single thing in Toon Lagoon since then because I just it doesn't interest me. So yeah. I I stop. There's a yeah, little stand no. there. I can get a cider or I can get a beer and then we walk right through it and we head right to. We're usually coming from. Um, kong and we're going into marvel superhero island and that is just a walkthrough and so i love that you've taken this something that i think all ages can like truly enjoy so uh, again yeah, david great. outshines his own uh his own ideas and thoughts and what he tells us when he's like yeah i'm, a, come up I'm with a, anything. a big bright shining star you what are can I say? you are a big bright shining star <laughs> <laughs> well, well done hey, david that's so thanks. fun oh man. thank you well hey speaking of big bright shining stars let's uh let's go to the brain of this here operations uh mr jeremy stein oh me now that now that we know <laughs> that you are directly going against logan's wishes i know and and, and, and that you're he had, uh, using he an had a solid reason why yeah. it's perfect for this land and that's because there aren't any attractions that 100 going to be compared to yeah and I'm, then, uh, I'm dying to know what you're going to do with the lost continent. So that really was my, my thing. And I kept going back and forth and I just, I didn't, I wanted something that I really resonated with. And so what I did is I'm going to tie this to an individual Scooby-Doo um, movie. And the reason I'm going to do that is, well, two reasons. One, I think it just can tell a story throughout this land. Um, two, I think this movie very much encompasses all of what Scooby-Doo kind of represents. And so uh, I'm not kidding. I watched this today. I paid $1.99 to rent it on YouTube. I had not seen it in probably two decades, three decades. But God, it's a good movie. Uh, Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island is what I'm basing (laughs) this after. Uh, This was a 1998 animated film. I really, really wish I could have done Spooky Island, but that was the 2002 uh, live action film, which, by the way, is still incredible in its own way, in which I did not realize, though I started researching today, that James Gunn was involved in that movie. That is awesome. So That's great. So I started to look back. So I went with the 1998 film uh, Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. And kind of the quick synopsis of what this movie is, is that uh, the mystery gang... Um, they're kind of tired of all the ghosts and goblins and villains being fake. 
So they kind of like, you know what, let's go on our own way. We're just kind of tired of it. But uh, Daphne and Fred, they start their own television show, uh, actually trying to talk about some of these encounters that they've had. And they decide that they want to find more than just a villain in a costume. So they're going to go ahead and go on a cross-country trip to find actual ghost zombies, goblins, things like that. They reunite the gang for Daphne's birthday. And that's kind of where this is going to start. So I'm going to jump around a little bit because I wanted to start with shopping because this is the most heavily shop area. I feel like in islands of adventure, maybe outside of superhero Island, which has a ton of wonderful shops, but in the main district here, which is right as if you're coming up through Seuss landing and you make your way through half of lost continent, you start to head into before the wizarding world, uh, you're going to get to a lot of shops. And I'm thinking, of kind of converting this facade a little bit to more of a New Orleans-style uh, downtown area because that's where this whole movie kind of starts to take off is in New Orleans. I don't have to make a lot of changes to the shops that are in here. They actually lend very, very well to what I'm thinking of, the first one being the Pearl Factory. Literally, I mean, we're in New Orleans. We're near the water. They have oysters. Uh, let's go ahead and, and pick some pearls. I don't think that's a big changeover. Um, the current mythical metal shop, we're going to change into the Pirate's Metal Coin Shop. Um, if you have not seen this, and as I get into it, you're going to see pirates are heavily involved in this story. Uh, you can actually choose a design, and then they have this 50-ton force hammer that will hammer your design into a coin keepsake that you can have. We actually have some of these from Lost Continent. So it lends very, very well to the pirate theme of let's figure out some coins and the way they work in with this whole story. Um, they have a historic families shop, which I think could turn into more of like your old school Southern family crest and coat of arms style shop. So you can go in there and you can shop for your family name. You can find out the meaning. Uh, you can get the history of your ancestors and you go ahead and purchase different you know, memorabilia that lends to that. Uh, Star Souls is a psychic reading area, which can now be themed to Scooby-Doo and Ghostly Goblins. Same thing, though. It's a, it's a psychic area. It just lends very well to the overall shops. And then finally, we're going to have Shops of Wonders. Uh, now, this one I want to change a little bit. This is like an art gallery and souvenir store, but I think for some cool memorabilia, it'd be great if there was a way... And I'd have to really do some research. And I bet like one of y'all would know more than this. Some of the artists that contributed to uh, not only Scooby-Doo cartoons, but other cartoons of the 80s and 90s, where you could get some wonderful memorabilia, paintings, things like that from those artists of 80s, 90s decades. So that kind of like levels out our whole shopping district, right? The most important part I think here before I get into what we'll consider attractions and entertainment is the food because this is Scooby-Doo and Shaggy. This is what we've been waiting for, Jeremy. And this is it right here. All they want is to eat. <laughs> and there's a lot of eating that can happen. So we're going to start with Mythos Restaurant, which is one of the most highly rated theme park restaurants, according to their giant banner outside. And we're going to change this to Moon Scars Dining. Now, Moonscar is the pirate that inhabits this island that we're on in Moonscar's island. He is one of the zombie ghosts that we're going to encounter as we go through this entire island and journey. 
So the exterior facade is going to be turned into a southern plantation style mansion. Of course, the mystery machine is parked out front because this is where they have stopped to dine. And this is going to be somewhat of a fine dining New Orleans experience. We're going to have a lot of seafood. We're going to have good steaks. This restaurant, if you've not eaten at it, is already absolutely delicious, outstanding. But we're going to transform it into this kind of fine dining southern mansion plantation idea. Now, right now, there are windows that overlook uh, the, the lake there and Islands of Adventure. But I want to convert these to LED windows. And what we're going to do is we're going to have LED screens. And some of the things you're going to see during the day are uh, Bo, who is the gardener on this island. Uh, he's landscaping out there. There's a lot of roaming cats, which are going to come up a little bit later. But as the night falls and the sun sets, it's going to turn a little bit spooky. This is haunted after all. And we're going to see some storms and we're going to see some wandering zombies and werecats and other things that are happening outside. Uh, we're going to like think of like um, Rainforest Cafe and T-Rex and the way that it's this interactive element of like storms and thunder and lightning. Again, during the day, we want to keep this very family friendly, but at night we can get a little bit spooky with it. And again, this is a nice fine dining experience. Lots of uh, craft cocktails, house-made desserts, plus that seafood and those wonderful steaks that you can get uh, that you normally would not get inside of a theme park. Next, we're going to move over to what is currently Fire Eater's Grill. This is going to become Scoob's Fire Grill. And this is going to be serving up uh, fire-grilled New Orleans-style po'boy sandwiches. So we're going to have everything from your, you know, maybe roast beef and chicken, oyster, uh, shrimp. But the big thing here is there's a wonderful hot pepper bar outside the way that they have it like Tijuana Flats, right? Because at one point, this island was a pepper plantation. So it kind of just lends again to that story of let's add whatever we want to these wonderful po'boys. Then we're going to move on to Doc uh, Sungri's Desert Kebab House. And this is going to become Ferryman Jacques' Cajun House. Now, Ferryman Jacques is the uh, ferryman that will bring you over into the island. And again, I know I'm like leading a lot into the rest of this story, but I wanted to leave kind of the attraction style for last. Uh, this is going to serve quick service etouffee, jambalaya, uh, catfish, maybe some steamed oysters, fried gator tail, and things like that. Let's get into the main attraction, which is now Poseidon's Fury. This is going to become Moonscar's Revenge. As you approach Moonscar's Revenge, you're going to be introduced to an uh, outside area that looks very much like New Orleans. And Lena, who works on Moonscar Island, uh, is which, again, Moonscar Island is allegedly haunted by the ghost of pirate Morgan Moonscar. Um, she's going to let you know that, hey, she can take you over because, again, the gang is looking for real ghosts. They, they've always encountered these fakes. She's claiming there are real ghosts. Now, the gang's very skeptical, but they're going to go ahead and go with Lena and meet her boss, Simone. So you follow the gang inside of the island, which is going to start to take you into the indoor elements of Poseidon's Fury. If you've not seen Poseidon's Fury, and I by no means is, am on the same track record as Logan following an amazing room-by-room -room <laughs> setup like his amazing Spider-Man Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles overhaul, I am going to give you some ideas of 
These are separate rooms that include live actors and interactive elements in Poseidon's Fury that we're now going to translate into Moonscar's Revenge. So you're going to step into Moonscar's mansion when you first encounter some ghostly encounters as the sun begins to set. I think it's a great opportunity to use things uh, such as 3D mapping and projections, uh, maybe some holograms the way that they do with Ray at the beginning of Rise of Resistance. I think there's a lot of opportunities to do certain things. Writing in the wall, like all of a sudden it says, like, you know, uh, I'm getting my revenge and you see it written in the wall. And this whole thing is led by team members who are dressed as the gang of Scooby-Goo, Scooby-Doo, as they take you through this. <laughs> Scooby-Goo, that'd be a good one too, actually. Um, so the gang is still not sure about it, and neither are you as the visitors with them. But you start to see that this is actually real, and the zombies are coming to life, and you are face-to-face with Moonscar and his zombie pirates. As you move into the next room, uh, you discover a secret passageway, which this is filled with in Poseidon's Fury. They're literally like entire walls that open in this with water features that could take you through and easily convert. Um, the, Lena lets you know that the zombies have dragged Simone away. As you go in through the passageway, you are met with a voodoo room filled with voodoo dolls. And Simone and Lena reveal themselves along with Jacques, your good fairy man, to be evil werecats. So as you make your way into the final room, you find that Lena is a werecat and Simone is as well. And they tell you the story that 200 years ago, she and Lena were part of a group of settlers on the island who worshipped a cat god. Moonscar came over. They basically felt uh, invaded by him and his crew. And they prayed to the cat gods to get rid of them. They got their wish, which turned Moonscar and all of his people into zombies. And they were basically uh, converted into these uh, these werecats. So they killed all the pirates, but they realized that invoking the cat god's power, they'd also cursed themselves. So every year, the harvest moon, which we're now upon, they lure in victims from outside which is why we're here in the first place. We are the victims to preserve their immortality. Like they did with the civil war soldiers that originally inhabited the pepper plantation. So Jacques is basically their ferryman that brought us in here to bring new victims. Shaggy and Scooby, of course, and their zany crazy selves come in and disrupt the werecats during the ceremony. And as the harvest moon sets, they turn to dust basically saving everyone and we are able to exit. And in the end, we find out that Daphne is going to be able to take this story to her television show. I think in this end, I'm, I'm trying to think of what it's called. I believe it was called the cowboy fall. And every time I researched it, I could not find the exact terminology, but in movies and especially live action style TV or one camera TV, I think it's called a cowboy fall. A stunt man comes in and he drops below your vision and up pops the actual actor, right? And that's my thought with some of these things like where uh, we have team members who are acting as Lena and Simone, but at one point they fall out of your sight and they come up as these werecats, you know, mm -hmm. or again, we're nice. able to use a technology of projection or of holographic imagery to look at ghosts, to look at zombies that then are going to be able to disappear into the air 
as we go ahead and we exit. So this is really telling the entire story of Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island as we walk through Poseidon's Fury. I added something that does not exist, and that is Snakebite Scruggs' ferry boat. So Snakebite Scruggs is a human who uh, is kind of out on the waters, and he does encounter the gang, and he encounters Jacques in all of these, but he's never really pulled into the situation. And we're going to have ferry boats... Uh, much like you would think of maybe the ones in World Showcase or Tom Sawyer's Island over at Disney. And they're going to be able to take you from not only the Port of Entry, but also Toon Lagoon over to my new island. And so those are two other options that kind of add a ride element. Finally, I'm almost done. We have the Mystic Fountain which is located right as you get ready to enter Hogsmeade. Uh, and this is actually just a interactive fountain currently. Um, it is a stone structured face, water's coming out of the mouth, but it is interactive where there is a team member that is talking to guests as they come by. I'm not getting fancy here. Let's make it Moonscar's fountain. We have the eighth voyage of Sinbad, which is actually completely closed down. It had closed, I want to say like September of I believe maybe 2019, um, but let's reopen it and let's make it a stunt show. So in the beginning of this movie on Zombie Island, they first uh, go throughout the United States to look for real ghosts, and as always, they are encountered by tons of fakes. So let's make this a stunt show featuring the opening scenes of the movie where they're scouring the U.S. for real ghosts only to outwit and outmatch them as the fakes that they are. Again, hilarity ensues as we rip off masks of all these different ghosts and goblins. In addition, to finish this out and make this a very interactive area, we're going to have roaming characters such as the gang. Everybody you know, Scooby and Daphne and Thelma and Fred and Shaggy, they're wandering the area outside of these attractions, and they're kind of asking for clues. You know, um, have you seen, you know, the, the, the ghosts? Have you seen zombies? Have you seen anything? What can you tell us? just to give that element. And then finally, much like in uh, Wilderness Explorers at Animal Kingdom, kids can get involved by interacting with a map that will lead you to Moon Scar's treasure. So they go to these different characters. They can go to these different elements and shows. They can talk to different team members, and they can get clues to fill out their map. And at the end, you'll never believe where they end up. But back at Pirate's Metal Coins, for their very own pressed coin. And that's all I got. Very nice. Very well nice. Well, the movie <laughs> is the inspiration for the whole land. And then this time you chose the 1998 movie for this Scooby-Doo attraction. And not just the attraction, but the entire land. So well done again. Sticking to like one storyline throughout the whole land. Thanks. I had no idea. It's been so long since I've been to Lost Continent. I had no idea that there were so many shops that were still open. Oh yeah. <laughs> I yeah. thought almost all of them got shut down and just consumed by wizarding world. Yeah. No kidding. I'll, I'll tell you um, two things I'm thinking of. I remember the first time we did Poseidon's fury. My mind was like blown by oh, the yeah. ending. Yeah. You know how, wait a second, we're in the room where we started. What, yeah. what is the deal here? That translates to Scooby-Doo so very, very well. So yeah, a, yeah. a walk through like live Scooby-Doo adventure phenomenal i'm i'm all for that um number two one thing i think of with your land 
this works at Halloween Horror Nights. Yeah. Yeah. So well. Oh, like yeah. you don't even have to make it maybe this is the kids like part of of Halloween Horror Nights or just something to offer that it just translates so well the the ferry boat ride just to this island and this at Halloween is would be just next level. I think it would be amazing. And uh the one thing I will tell you, I'm slightly disappointed that two words did not come out of your mouth, especially when you were talking about food. How in the world did you not mention Scooby Snacks? <laughs> you, know, you know, it's funny. I had it and I, I totally, yeah, I totally blanked on that one. I, I had it in an area and originally I was going to have a Snooby, like a, a Scooby Snack shed and I just, I just blanked on it. So no, you're right about that. Or I should have said Zoinks at one point. Yeah, that too. yeah. I was waiting for Zoinks. I will say Man, if you go, I'm, I'm not kidding. This is one of the best animated movies I've ever seen. And it is, it's, it's pretty dark and it gets pretty scary in a sense. If they ever converted like an actual cartoon movie to a live action, I think this one would kill it. It is such a good story and it's so well done. And I'll be, again, I searched for spooky Island and I was like, that's perfect. But I also thought it was easy. And I'm like, you know what? I can't do it because it's live action. It's 2002. And then yeah. I started looking back and I was like, wait, I remember this. And I literally watched it today and I was like, this is a really, really good movie. <laughs> like I read $1.99 on YouTube. It was the only place I could really find to rent and it was well worth the watch. And I sat and watched it. I got it for, I think, 48 hours. I can give you all my login, just YouTube, nobody else. Um, but I want like Kaylin <laughs> to watch this because she's big into like horror. This is a legit cartoon horror movie. It's so nice. good. Yeah. Right on. Well, like, like your other lands and like everything you've done, um, especially with food, you tend to do it is weaving the story through and mm -hmm. uh, taking everybody on a ride, a culinary adventure, if you will. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, fine work again, man. I, I'm, yeah, I'd, I'm just I like, want to go to that little New Orleans themed uh, food shack or whatever it right? was uh, that not, not the mythos redesign, but the other one you're talking about would just, the classic New Orleans style foods. It's like oh, yeah. that's a That sounds so good right now. In uh, my head, when you were in my head when you were talking about that, I pictured it being lit like French Quarter at night, oh, and just totally. like French Quarter at night is like my favorite. Yeah, uh, might be my favorite resort, but at least my favorite moderate. I love the way it looks, the way it feels, and and to theme a restaurant like that. 100%. Well, I and think for there's, the a, there's always for a the great Poseidon opportunity. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, well, <laughs> sorry, Logan. No, you go ahead, no, Jeremy. Say, there's always a great opportunity, I think, to convert day and night the way that we've seen recently uh, Wizarding World, uh, Batu. Yeah. Uh, we've seen Pandora. You know, I think it's something that a long time ago, and I'd love your opinion, Logan, you know, as a, a, a person who helps design theme parks. Of I feel like we got into this era of, of changing day versus night in the way that not only we see it, but potentially there's a future of the way that we act with that land at night. Right. Like especially with lights, like you said, David, yeah. with you know, French Quarter moderate resort during the day is awesome at night. It's a whole new world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it needs to be, it, you know, you need to have the feeling like it's a totally different land, especially if you want people to stay in the park the entire day yeah. and to come back to that land that they had already possibly experienced in the morning. 
But then at night, it feels like a totally different land through lighting design, um, through the use of different colored gels instead of just your standard sunlight. Now you can really bring it to life. I mean, the Haunted Mansion is just a classic example of the different things you can do by adding different colored gels and really bringing it to life. Um, If you go to one of the Six Flags that has our Justice League Battle for Metropolis attraction, the, the Hall of Justice at night looks amazing during the day it's cool but at night it looks amazing (laughs) the lighting design just really brings the building to life in a totally different way and that's what's so cool about parks that do have day and night hours and if and if thought out and done properly it can really bring life to an area that during the day could even look kind of flat it can it can make an area more exciting than it is when it's under sunlight. And yeah. you see that a lot. A lot of times that happens with a lot of areas that are kind of eh during the day because maybe they're just like the same color palette and there's not a lot of variety. But, and, but at night, once you once the sun goes down, once you start adding these up lights, they make things more dramatic than they actually are. So the, the different angles of light and the different colors that you add and tints just really enhance the, the experience, the visual experience of the land and bring it to life in a different way. So, oh, yeah, totally. absolutely. That's and then um, one of the things Go. I wanted to ask, Jeremy, is for the exterior of, of your, your new Poseidon's Fury, what does the exterior look like? I missed that part. You know, so actually you tell me, Logan, because the hard part <laughs> is, is, well, the hard part is, is that I feel like um, the the exterior of the new like Moonscar restaurant, which is now Mythos, should pretty much be a Southern Plantation mansion look. But then I also feel like the outside of Poseidon's Fury should because that's where the story starts. But do we just wrap all that in? Like literally give me your expertise of do we wrap in the exterior of that? Because that's where I want the story to start for that thing. Because you meet Lena outside of there when we're originally in New Orleans in the French Quarter. And that's where we kind of interact with her. And she says, hey, by the way, I want to take you into this island and this adventure. So honestly, what do you think that the exterior should look like at that moment? Well, I kind of like, you know, I, I think too with with the mythos and the shops and everything, you can make them look as as like a classic sort of New Orleans style uh, streets, yeah. and then have your your nice clean plantation representing the restaurant. But then when you actually do that Poseidon's Fury exterior, that's when you really get a chance to make it have more of a spooky. Yeah plantation appearance yeah. again with with lighting and with decorations and washes it's not clean it's old yep. it's it's weathered Overground. and then you also have those those yep. water areas in oh, front yeah. so you can give it like kind of like a swamp feel as you're walking up to it just like you would have in new orleans you know these, these swamps so then that really adds to the the eeriness as you're um, walking up to this what would be a massive plantation because yes. that building yeah. is huge. huge yeah you know that's this, what i was gonna this could say. be your haunted man this could be like your haunted <laughs> mansion vis- visual totally. correct yeah totally yeah that was my idea just making sure you guys were on board, <laughs> on board. and and hey speaking of on board um i think it's time that we go on board 
the USS, whatever they call the GI <laughs> Independence, I think, is what it was called. Look at Dang David. it. That was going to be such a good Look lead. There. Was like completely dropped that was I completely ball, dropped the ball. Dang it. That's, that's, why okay. Jeremy, that's, that's okay. That's why Jeremy hosts this stuff. <laughs> anyway, whatever. Logan, what are you doing? <laughs> so, so do I need to define who the GI Joe are, or can we just assume that everybody who's listening knows who GI I, Joe is? I would, I would, if you don't mind giving a quick definition, you got only it. Because, and I certainly don't want to segregate, segregate or separate people. <laughs> but I don't want to segregate. Please don't segregate. No, but 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 you know, again, I, I mean, here we are, three, you know, yeah. uh, uh, late thirties, early forties, males. Let's make sure that everybody <laughs> understands what an incredible impact the GI Joes were in case they're unfamiliar. So maybe like a little, little brief uh, synopsis would be good. So to steal from the intro of the theme song, GI Joe is the code name for America's daring, highly trained special mission force. It's purpose to defend human freedom against Cobra, a ruthless terrorist organization determined to rule the world. How did I do? Was that, that was absolutely good? perfect. I chills. One hundred percent. All right. So let's do this. It is I'm time so excited to retheme the land of Jurassic Park into GI Joe versus Cobra. Yes. So the land will actually be divided into two sublands. You have the GI Joe base camp and Cobra Island. So. When I was researching, I specifically tried to focus on the early seasons of the animated cartoon that ran from 1983 to 86. So I'm going to give you a, a walkthrough and then I'll save the, uh, the attraction breakdowns for the end. Okay. So we're going to enter from Wizarding World of Harry Potter through what would have been the iconic Jurassic Park gate. This has now been replaced with a brand new massive gate that showcases the G.I. Joe logo and appears to be a very high-tech checkpoint station as you enter into G.I. Joe base camp. So immediately on your left is what was the watering hole beverage station now called the beverage bunker. And so this is where you go to get your beer, liquor, frozen beverages, and some snacks. Uh, the signature drinks are going to be named after G.I. Joe or Cobra characters that match the unique colors of the cocktails. So if you've got a cocktail that's all blue, that's going to be your Cobra commander. If you got one that's a dark blue, that's your snake eyes and, and so on and so on. Um, on after you have walked past the beverage bunker on your right is where the Jurassic Park Jeep and the static Spinosaurus is so this is your photo op now it features the triple t tank also known as the tag team terminator which is sergeant slaughter's single man battle tank with missiles yes. and turret mounted cannons so Beautiful. the gi joe heroes will periodically come out and meet and greet guests and take photos with the vehicle so this is not only a great photo spot it's also just randomly throughout the day you will get the opportunity to meet some of the G.I. Joe characters. Uh, super fun. Oh, my God. I would love to have my photo taken next to a Triple T or even be able to climb into one and have my photo Absolutely. taken. I so had that now, one. 
Yeah, I know. It was awesome. It was so cool. So many of the toys we played with growing up, David owned. So I remember that vividly. Um, so now we have passed this on your left. The Jurassic Park Discovery Center is now rethemed as G.I. Joe headquarters, a heavily fortified facility with a raised helicopter pad in the center Lots of moving surveillance cameras, searchlights, machine guns, and cannons. And what's cool is sitting on the helipad is a life-size G.I. Joe Tomahawk helicopter with rotating tandem rotors and the iconic camouflage paint job. So this is just on the outside. In front of the headquarters, you have uh, military theming that will be added to all the midway games. So they look like skills tests for new recruits. In addition, a life-size G.I. Joe Skyhawk sits out front and guests can climb inside to have their picture taken with it. And in case you were wondering, the Skyhawk is a specially designed single pilot aerial fighting machine with rotating twin turbojet engines for vertical takeoffs and landings. It's badass. <laughs> so behind the headquarters on the waterfront, is a life-size G.I. Joe hovercraft that floats on the surface of the water. So you will be able to, this thing's so big, you'll be able to see it from the port of entry. It's that big. So it'll be sitting there on the waterfront, just this great weenie pulling you to the other side of the park. All right, now inside the G.I. Joe headquarters. So the top floor, you have the food, which is the burger digs inside Jurassic Park, now called the mess hall obviously. Nice. And it features the same food, but with a military retheme. I didn't go into detail with any of the food or drink places. <laughs> Not my thing. I got For retail. You. I'll do it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> For retail, the dino store is now called the ammo dump and it sells clothing inspired by the GI Joe heroes, as well as stockpiles of supplies and battle gear, like helmets, backpacks, and weapons slash toys. I like it. Now the bottom floor. So all of the animatronic dinosaurs uh, that were inside the Jurassic Park Discovery Center, those have been replaced with full-scale versions of some of G.I. Joe's most famous vehicles from the 80s cartoons and toy lines. The You Bet Jurassic section has been <laughs> replaced with Yo Joe, an interactive museum display that teaches guests all about General Joseph Colton, the original G.I. Joe. Oh, wow. So next, the dinosaur egg incubators and laboratory are now replaced with So You Want to Be a Joe. And this new uh, interactive displays feature central intelligence profiles for newly enlisted personnel and allow you to create your own character and code name, which who doesn't want to do that? That's amazing. Um, the animatronic dinosaur egg hatchling experience is going to be replaced with an experience where a live actor plays a famous G.I. Joe and is joined by their animal companion, which is an animatronic puppet of some kind. So they talk to guests and answer questions um, they might have about being a G.I. Joe member, while also keeping things very light and comical. Possible interactions are Shipwreck the Sailor with Polly the Pirate, or Spirit, the tracker, with uh, Freedom, the eagle. So those could be their the anima, animatronic pet uh, birds. So that's just two possibilities. 
the DNA sequencing section is going to be replaced with central intelligence, where you must provide different forms of identification. So you do a face scan, a fingerprint scan, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, to access classified files. So this is where you'll learn about the different G.I. Joe heroes, the Cobra villains, and some of their most famous missions. The Discovering Dinosaurs rock wall is replaced with Uncovering Cobra, and it's an interactive world map with enemy location scanners. So just like you were doing with the dinosaur uh, rock wall and discovering where there might be fossils, here you're going to be scrolling on this massive map and finding where there might be Cobra headquarters. Okay, so behind the Discovery Center is where you will find the entrance to the VelociCoaster, oh, now called G.I. Joe Rolling Havoc. Oh. And I'll go into that later. Past the <laughs> entrance to the Discovery Center. So we're now back on the, the main drag, if you will, of the Jurassic Park section. Um, on your right is... Pizza Predatoria, now called Checkpoint Pizza, and features the same menu as before, but with newly themed names. The exterior will be rethemed to look like a security checkpoint with a watchtower and searchlights looking for Cobra infiltrators. Shortly after that, on your right, is what is currently the Raptor Encounter, what I'm now calling the Neutral Zone. So this um, is themed as a demilitarized neutral territory where guests can meet various G.I. Joe and Cobra characters all day long. So that's how we get away with this meet and greet. And you've got it to where throughout the day you get an opportunity to meet all these different characters and you can have Cobra and G.I. Joe in the same space, just not at the same time. Awesome. So... This is where the landscape starts to change as you cross over the neutral zone and enter into Cobra Island. So on your left, you have Camp Jurassic Play Area, which I am now calling the Dreadnought Swamp. This area will feature the same kitty slides, bridges, ropes, tunnels, caves, but with crude looking construction and a swamp theme. So the young kids will be able to run around and interact with the environment like they did or do in Camp Jurassic. But for slightly older kids, there will be special missions that can be found throughout the swamp with the use of their cell phone. So for example, one mission is to help find all three of the parts needed to build the Weather Dominator, which is a weather controlling weapon created by the Cobra villain Destro. You get to pick whether you are working with G.I. Joe, Cobra, or the mercenary Dreadnoughts. And the team you choose will actually change the ending of your mission. So whether you succeed or not succeed, based on the team you choose, it will be a different result. So in the same area, you have the ride Pteranodon Flyer, uh, now called Swamp Gliders. And in this one, guests soar high above the Dreadnought Swamp and camouflaged G.I. Joe Falcon Gliders or Cobra Viper Gliders. And so this is the perfect way to do a little reconnaissance work from, from up above throughout the whole land. So as you exit the swamp, now on your right is the Jurassic Park River Adventure, which I am now calling Cobra Mass Destruction. Yes. 
past this new attraction on your right will be the photo op, which is currently the Jurassic Park SUV and the giant T-Rex. But I am replacing that with the infamous Cobra high speed sentry tank known as the Cobra Hiss, nice. which has a very sleek and unique look for an armored fighting vehicle. And this is where Cobra villains will peri- periodically come out to meet and greet guests and take photos with the vehicle. So the last location before exiting this land is the restaurant Thunder Falls Terrace, now called the Cobra Crimson Dome and inspired by Cobra's secret fortress named the Terror Drome that shares a similar circular building design. So nothing will change on the menu other than the names the exterior and interior of the restaurant will take on the appearance of Cobra's secret fortress. So you'll have computer stations, fuel stations, gun ports, and secret launch mechanisms throughout the restaurant. Employees will be dressed like Cobra Crimson Guards, and the central cooking area will look like an enemy holding cell. (laughs) (laughs) So inside the two circular dining rooms, there will also be life-size Fire bats located under two silo blast doors. So the fire bats are, are single man aircrafts with articulated wings that blast off like a like a spaceship. So cool. If you if you don't know what they look like, yeah. Google it. Um, so now before guests exit this land, I would love to add a portal like the Jurassic Park gate, but featuring Cobra Head sconces and two huge Cobra symbols engraved into the massive metal doors. I think this uh, new portal would be such a perfect bookend for the G.I. Joe versus Cobra land. So that's my land. Now it's time for the rides. So ride redesign. That's me preparing myself. (laughs) So we've got the new Velocicoaster called gi joe rolling havoc okay and the story is that you are taking a tour of the gi joe ordnance school where non-commissioned officers are taught everything they need to know about the different vehicles weapons and ammunition eh, ammunition used by gi joe the queue will be filled with informational videos and life-size animated props of gi joe high-tech weaponry such as the pack rats so the simplest way to describe a pack rat is to imagine if R2-D2 had a flamethrower, machine gun, or heat-seeking missiles, and that's <laughs> your pack rats. So guests get to see the pack rats in action as they follow behind recently launched heavily articulated vehicle ordnance carriers, also known as Havoc. So there's the connection there. So in the first pre-show, you have the training room which features lockers full of iconic weapons and clothing worn by G.I. Joe members, as well as a recorded video featuring Duke, a first sergeant and supervisor for all non-commissioned officers. He specifically informs us about the new advancements they've made to the Packrats and Havoc vehicle, which is a roving vehicle specially designed with a pivoting dual track system for rough terrain as well as fan-propelled boosters for air reconnaissance and basic combat maneuvers. So, uh, a little fun fact. Duke is a polyglot, 
So his recorded introduction will be presented in multiple languages. And you can bet at the end of his speech, he will say the famous phrase, now you know. <laughs> I love it. And knowing is half the battle. Cue the G.I. Joe theme music for maximum nostalgia. <laughs> so, <laughs> as we continue through the queue, we pass by animatronic versions of the pack rats. So they are getting ready for action and scan each person that walks by to, ver to verify that no one is affiliated with Cobra. So that's your, your Raptor animatronic scene. So then you enter into pre-show two. So we pass by a locker station and must empty our pockets before boarding the Havoc transport vehicles. So my favorite part about this area is the instructional video that features everyone's favorite drill sergeant, mm -hmm. Sergeant Slaughter, as yes. he basically yells at us to empty our pockets or else he'll put us and our stuff inside an itty bitty ditty bag. So <laughs> know your role. Listen to Sergeant Slaughter. So pre-show three, we now have entered the third pre-show. A live video feed shows the G.I. Joe heroes, Scarlet and Snowjob inside the G.I. Joe control center. Scarlet is preparing the Havoc transport vehicles when Cobra launches a waterfront attack. Scarlet doesn't understand how they could have bypassed their security satellites. While she's scrambling to notify the G.I. Joe team about the breach, Snowjob releases a cloud of smoke that causes Scarlet to choke and collapse after inhaling. Snowjob then pulls his face off to reveal he was really Zartan, leader of the Dreadnoughts and Cobra's master of disguise. He's the one who infiltrated their security system. So we can hear Zartan communicating with Cobra Commander as he pushes several buttons on the control board. He manages to access G.I. Joe's central intelligence system and then starts downloading a computer virus that will erase everything within their servers. In the background, we see Scarlet shaking off the effects of the inhalant. She attacks Zartan and we watch them battle on screen until Scarlet finally gets the upper hand, at which point Zartan retreats away on his chameleon swamp skier. Scarlet successfully stops the virus from downloading and sends us to the tactical battle platform so we can board the Havoc and chase Zartan down. Before we leave, she also activates the pack rats to help us on our mission. Guests load into the Havoc and then fly out of the battle platform. Along the path, guests dodge attacks from Cobra Fang helicopters, Cobra flight pods, and Cobra soldiers wearing special snake battle armor suits. You finally catch up to Zartan and find that the pack rats have him captured and they destroyed his swamp skier in the process. Win, win. That is wow. the end of G.I. Joe rolling havoc. Wow. So wow. I, I, I really loved what they did with the Velocicoaster. So it was hard to, to, to give it a new twist, but I really enjoyed working on this one. It was so much fun. Yeah, that ain't bad. <laughs> so now the, the, the finale, the big finale redesigning better the jurassic park river adventure now called cobra mass destruction okay so the exterior of the jurassic park main building where guest vehicles drop out and make a huge splash will be rethemed to look like the cobra temple made from gold and copper toned stone and decorated with different three-dimensional cobra symbols 
Currently, outside the ride entrance is this very large boulder that sometimes is overgrown with leaves and it holds the River Adventure ride sign. With this Cobra retheming, that boulder will be removed and replaced with a 20-foot tall cannon-like device with a giant crystal on the end known by G.I. Joe superfans as the mass device. So there will be large cords and wires and conduit that run from the mass device to the location of the former Jurassic Island scale model in the entry queue. Now the scale model is replaced with a circular control center that has three large tubes. The first tube is full of glowing red crystals. The second tube is full of glowing deep blue heavy water. And the third tube is empty. Q theming will match the aesthetic of the Cobra Temple. And the Q video will feature Cobra Commander, Destro, and the Baroness, explaining how the mass device is a machine capable of teleporting solid objects from one place to anywhere on Earth. With this device, they will be able to teleport entire armies into enemy strongholds. In order to function, here's the catch. (laughs) The device is powered by three extremely rare elemental catalysts. Red radioactive crystals, deep blue heavy water, and gold meteorites. We saw the red and blue elements upon entering, but they've finally obtained the meteor rock located deep within an active volcano and are preparing it now. At that moment, Storm Shadow interrupts Cobra Commander's speech and informs him that the G.I. Joe Commando Snake Eyes infiltrated the island and stole the meteorite. He is a attempting to escape with assistance from his fellow G.I. Joe operatives. Cobra Commander loses his temper and orders guests to immediately proceed to the loading dock where Cobra night landing rafts are waiting to disembark. He needs our help finding all the G.I. Joe members so they can be destroyed once and for all. (laughs) So now you board a raft, leave the load area and enter a tunnel and this is where I, I, I change things up a little. So you enter a tunnel with skylights that are actually large monitors showing animated videos above you. So as your boat pulls up to a closed doorway, the tunnel becomes extremely windy and you see a G.I. Joe Skyhawk flying above you. The G.I. Joe leader Duke is yelling at you to turn around if you care about your safety. Multiple missiles fly by the Skyhawk as Duke barely dodges Cobra's attack. The Skyhawk starts to fly backwards as Duke returns fire at the attackers and the doors in front of our boat open. We are now in a full-on war zone as bombs are exploding everywhere and the animatronic dinosaurs along the river adventure have been replaced with animatronic versions of Cobra battle android troopers. And G.I. Joe Special Ops. So the G.I. Joe arrived in their amphibious personnel carrier known as the APC. And on the carrier, you'll find Lady J, Flint, Stalker firing his submachine gun, and Gung Ho firing his grenade launcher, while the rest of the team is on the ground. So on the ground, you'll see Bazooka firing his bazooka, Roadblock firing his massive M2 machine gun, Snowjob firing his laser rifle, 
Blowtorch with his flamethrower, Scarlet with her crossbow laser, and Wetsuit is popping out of the water and firing his amphibious assault rifle. You even have Timber the Wolf playing tug of war with one of the androids' arm. And lastly, you'll find Spirit holding his automatic arrow launcher and warning us of trouble around the bin. The river up ahead is blocked by the massive Cobra Moray hydrofoil boat. Storm Shadow is visible from the rooftop turret, his shipmates to fire the missiles as four consecutive explosions shoot in our direction. Our boat is forced to turn into the Cobra Temple complex as we pass by a security gate and watchtower. A G.I. Joe devilfish boat is seen abandoned and heavily damaged. We then find the sailor, ironically named Shipwreck, behind some debris uh, to protect himself from gunfire coming down from the watchtower. And his parrot is seen on a nearby barrel flapping his wings and squawking funny put-downs. So up ahead, the castle door is starting to close and we barely make it under. So once inside the vehicle deployment bay, we pass by two Crimson Guard commanders known as the Crimson Twins. They are standing on the right side of the track and talking to Cobra Commander via the Cobra surveillance port located across the track, which is just this massive screen. The twins inform Cobra Commander that they still haven't found Snake Eyes in the meteor rock, but they won't stop looking until he's apprehended. Our raft proceeds to a lift hill and enters a very dark corridor. We can still hear Cobra Commander berating the Crimson Twins as one of the corridor lights starts flickering and we see Snake Eyes hiding along the corridor wall with the meteor rock in hand. We reach the top of the hill and enter Cobra's command center. Here, Cobra Commander is sitting on his throne arguing with Destro and Baroness about the mass device and its uselessness without the meteorite. He tells them, I shall be waiting to reward your genius or to have you beheaded for terminal stupidity. The Cobra Commander suddenly stands up points at our raft and yells, I know you've seen Snake Eyes. Where is he? Tell me right now or I will have you destroyed, you fools. The room starts to get very windy as we see Duke flying upward in the Skyhawk. This replaces what would have been the T-Rex reveal. So he informs Cobra Commander that his plan has failed and Snake Eyes safely escaped with the meteor rock. Destro and Baroness start firing their blasters at Duke as Cobra Commander throws just a massive temper tantrum. Duke returns fire from his Skyhawk, resulting in these massive explosions, so big fire effects. Then we get dangerously close to his blasters before finally falling out of the Cobra Temple and splashing into the water below. As we round the corner toward the unload area, we can still hear Cobra Commander yelling, Morons! I have morons on my payroll! Then we passed by Snake Eyes and his pet wolf, Timber. Snake Eyes waves goodbye to us as Timber lets out a friendly howl and we enter the unload station. The end. Wow. Okay, look, so I'm going to lay this out for all you guys. (laughs) If I'm being 100% honest, everyone can keep Star Wars. Everyone can keep Pandora. Young me would lose his mind for a fully immersive GI Joe world. This is this totally. is where, you know, 
this yeah. was this was my childhood and to have something the way logan has described it which you guys will notice i was notoriously quiet it's because my eyes were closed and i was picturing all of this in my head as he was saying it i have nothing to add except <laughs> who owns the rights to hasbro stuff to make this something yeah. and why has nobody taken this ip and done the possibilities are endless um a little, little behind the scenes here. I texted Logan a picture of something that I thought he was going to go with. Well, that yeah. that he didn't. That he scratched the surface of GI Joe, and you know, forget Avatar. I don't even know if I've seen that movie, but the world is so good. But to have an immersive GI Joe land, uh, phenomenal, phenomenal. I got nothing. And I got to say, David, the the character you text me, if if I get the opportunity to expand yeah. into this uh, Kong Skull Island, that's where that character is going. I thought that was going to be the reveal for the drop. Was that that was what they were I thought about it? To, and then he yep. was, yeah, that would have. <laughs> yep. I thought <laughs> about it. What? So um... I went back and forth. Unfortunately, you know, you guys gave me a lot of time, so uh, I took advantage of. <laughs> well, I think you know, I'll, I'll 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 say this has nothing to do with the fact that you killed it because you're always going to kill it. You had so much awesome stuff to work with, and again, oh, I know. That, that has nothing to do with the fact that you were awesome. It's not like it's not like we Correct. just handed you something on a plate. This was still very difficult, and you did an amazing, amazing job of it. Um, I was I I grew up huge GI Joe fan. Every character, every toy, everything. I mean, I, I, every Christmas, I got the, 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 the bases, the giant, yep. you know, hundred, hundred fifty, two hundred dollar bases and aircraft carrier. That, that was me. Like I had everything, you know. So, I mean, what you first of all, I agree. Hasbro owns this. What are theme park rights? And why has nothing <laughs> been done with this? I did a quick. I'm trying to do like a quick Google search. And I can really not find much other than that Hasbro, Hasbro owns this. And maybe some people are thinking of developing it, but there's nothing really. Um, I, I just, yeah, you know, this is such an incredible area that already starts to lend to this. And what I love that you did, and I thought it was, you know, I, I enjoyed my land and I enjoyed David's land. I think that where we often fault <laughs> is telling a complete story from land end or land beginning to land end. And what you were able to do is take it either way, because whether you start in the Cobra end or the GI Joe end, I think that you tell a very good story, especially with that zone in the middle, you know, and, and that you're able to actually take the land through the story. And so for me, like it's so hard to go, I want to walk through the front, and tell a story the whole time because things get separated. You did an amazing job of that. Um, my biggest question just, and, and this is just putting you on the spot is out of curiosity, because these are some of my favorite cartoon characters of all time. Uh, Duke, Baroness, Cobra commando, uh, Destro. Are you thinking that these within the way they're represented, especially through video are CGI created characters are these live action characters? And if they're live action, who would you get to play a few of your favorite GI Joe characters? Oh my gosh. Well, the way, the way I imagined it, 
personally for me i i felt like in order for it to really appeal to the widest audience and lend itself accurately to the time period i was really trying to recreate with this mm -hmm. i want to see the characters animated in yeah. in these yeah. video sequences and even in their their appearance uh, i want them to look exactly like the cartoon versions i exactly. want them to have yep. those over the top bright outfits that you know military people would never wear <laughs> you don't go into a jungle wearing neon green right or you know bright red and yellow like flamethrower it's just it's completely absurd or you've got or an you know, with a 14 on it <laughs> yeah or yeah exactly bazooka with his giant 14 <laughs> red you know shirt um and gung-ho with his his shirt that's half open to show his massive marine tattoo across <laughs> this chest it's so absurd and amazing that. that's what makes it. it so iconic and great and just appeal to a young audience because these characters are so distinctly yeah. unique and that was one of the things when i was trying to like figure out characters i was like okay who are the ones who are the most unique visually yeah and who are the ones who are the most popular so i went by popularity and uh just the unique appearances um, and that's why some of them, like you've got uh, Lady J, Flint and Stalker, I just have them sitting in the APC shooting really because their their outfits are not memorable. If you put them in a, a river forest or jungle, they're yeah. not going to stand out. They, they're literally camouflaged. So they're going to blend right in. We don't want that. We want the characters that will be easy to see that will stand out, that will leave an impression and a memory and have a variety of weapons as well. Uh, so you're not just seeing the same machine gun over and over and over again. And then for the the vehicles, and I like that you caught Jeremy that I, I tried to make those connections because that was part of my goal yeah. too, is it's like, I wanted to have a Skyhawk represented with Duke, but I also wanted it to be on the GI Joe side. So people, if, if they're, you know, whether they went to Cobra first and then they make it over to GI Joe and they're like, Oh, there's a Skyhawk I just saw or vice versa. Uh, and so I'm, I'm glad you, you made that connection. Um, but that was, oh my God, I had so much fun researching guys. It was like just nostalgia overload. I was amazing this website called yojo.com. That oh. is amazing. Please. If you like GI Joe and you want to go down just a, a trip down memory lane and see every single toy that you used to own, go to yojo.com. That site is awesome and they have it all and it's so easy to find the different years and oh man oh it is just such a great resource so that's where i went for a lot of my stuff and you know i really i wanted to i wanted to stay true to the the first season major missions as well so having the weather dominator and the mass device um i didn't get to go into the pyramid of darkness uh but the if i get to work on this a little more if i get to <laughs> expand this into uh the kong skull island and take over that attraction i will be introducing some more very iconic characters from the 1986 line yeah. <laughs> mm. whoever could we be talking about? i mean that yeah that <laughs> That attraction is ripe for G.I. Joe. Um, I mean, also, it's, yeah, your, it's perfect. Your, your Cobra Commander impression is, is pretty spot on. I will say. Oh, I love Cobra Commander. <laughs> very and I, you know, and again, <laughs> I think that that is another 
classic gag that we grew up yeah. with. I mean, Skeletor is the exact same way. Yes, exactly. You know, it's like the villains were always kind of just these ridiculous, over-the-top, bumbling mm-hmm. type villains uh, that that they were. You know, here they are. They're they're a terrorist organization trying to take over the world, but yet you you can't. You you're can't, not really no, scared yeah. of them. No, and that that lends itself so well, and it just it adds that sort of humor to an attraction that every attraction needs to have. There always needs to be that little bit of humor. And I like, I liked how, um, you know, replacing the Raptors with pack rats yeah. and having essentially yeah. these, these droids, these comical droids that are shooting out missiles and machine guns and stuff. And it would just be fun. It's just fun. You know, and that's what it should be, you know, just like David was working on with the Animaniacs thing. And like you were going on with a Scooby-Doo, it's, it's fun is the key. It yep. needs to be fun. Bottom line. Yeah. One thing I was thinking when you were uh, describing some of the merchandise stuff and writing your own like bio and becoming a G.I. Joe and all that. When I was a kid, they had a thing with a toy where you could send off like $12 plus shipping and handling and you got your own G.I. Joe. Granted, I think it was the same like mass character that everybody <laughs> got, but you wrote a bio and they named it. They so if you remember buying G.I. Joe toys, they all had a card on the back yep. that was like the description of the character and the height and weight and blah, blah, blah. Well, this would be the info you sent them. They would put it on this card. My guy was named Slam. I remember it very specifically. <laughs> but if you could get your own identification card from your merchandise thing that yep. you designed and it's your face on a G.I. Joe identification card, come on i know who, who wouldn't yeah. right and i mean and and to add to the experience here you are designing your own character and then here's like shipwreck cracking jokes with you or spirit you know i mean it's just it's so fun it's yeah. just absolutely fun and i love the idea of the whole the classified section where you got to scan your face and then you get approved after they've scanned your face to then access these these you know gi joe files and like you were talking about the essentially the classified files the the character card that's on the back of every gi joe it's like that's what you would be accessing it's like how cool would that be oh. i'll be i'll be 100 honest we've done quite a few of these we've redesigned a whole bunch of stuff we've involved alcohol whatever this uh, not even thinking twice about it is my favorite thing that has come <laughs> out of it. any of these episodes we've done. love it absolutely love yeah, it done yeah well i I don't know what else we can add. What do you guys think? <laughs> so well, much here's, fun here's as a, always. Here's a question for you guys. Do we want to do a part three with just the one remaining land? Because port of entry doesn't count. That's, no, no, no. But here's one remaining land, which is literally one attraction. Mm-hmm. So here's what we do. Let's leave it up to the, people. the theme park shuffle audience. People. Let's leave it up to the people. We are... If we're anything, we're men of the people. <laughs> so true. let's put it out to them. All right. All right, guys, if you're listening to this, um, thank gosh I got to host this today because I spoke for four minutes and just sat there and smiled goofily at everybody else's stuff. But uh, let's put it out to you guys. Do you think that we should all take a crack at Skull Island? Um can we repeat an IP that we used? Should we completely use a new IP? Why don't you guys pick what we do? 
Right. Best way to talk about it is going to be on the Main Street Magic Facebook page. So when this episode goes out, we'll let you guys know. Please, please, please leave us your feedback. We will take what you said. And unless it involves Harry Potter, all, <laughs> all you heffalumps or whatever you are out there, um, then we will absolutely do that. Um, so what do you think? You think we can... Uh, call this one done and just give Logan the crown and wrap it up. <laughs> I'm walking Let's away with the title belt guys. Let's hundred percent do it. <laughs> this well, was fun. You this guys, was a good I mean, one. you both really, uh, you were talking down your ideas for like two weeks straight, just talking down your ideas and you both killed it today. These were great ideas. I'll, I'll be honest. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't know, like I am so busy right now in my, real job my everything going on i this i have been excited about all the other ones we've done i looked at this one with such dread so i'm glad that you guys still liked it well, well listen man we david we appreciate you and everything you're doing because yeah. you are out there every day you're you're a frontline person you're you're helping meh. with everything that's going on no don't meh, meh it don't <laughs> meh it we appreciate you we appreciate everything you're doing the knowledge um we certainly would never fault you for working on your amazing ideas last minute if anything <laughs> i'm glad you don't have more time so <laughs> yeah keep keep staying busy busy so you can't just absolutely destroy us I, I will I will promise you guys next go round next time I get to choose <laughs> I won't I won't require anybody to design entire lands one thing okay. one restaurant whole, one bar one attraction one thing period whole, whole lands is a task it is, it's, it is a lot of dude, work hey we started we we've started off strong I I feel real good about what we've yeah. already done I appreciate you guys you guys are awesome. Uh, this has been an absolute blast. It's only going to get better. It's only going to get more fun. Uh, David, you got to close this out here, brother. Let me take a crack at this thing. So I hope you guys have enjoyed listening to theme park shuffle. If you guys like what we're doing, please subscribe to the podcast, like the podcast, rate us and review us. I'm vain. I want to hear you guys tell us how good that we are or I want to see the criticism that I get or that we get. Um, I want to angrily reply to you and make you feel bad about what you're saying about me and then turn you around to like us. So please subscribe, like review, comment, hit us on Facebook. I very much like it. Um, there's a couple of our listeners who were hitting me up while we were talking today, picking on me about Harry Potter. I welcome it. We love you guys. We're so happy that you listen. We love doing this for you and wouldn't have it any other way. So stay tuned. Listen for the next thing because we're going to shuffle up something again. Peace. Bye. Peace.